Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Well, Bobby, this week we're going to downtown Milwaukee right around, is this like 19th and Wells? Exactly 20th and Wells. All right. I know the area because I used to work next door to this building and I used to pass it every day as I was parking my car. And I never got sick of looking at it because it is truly a, a beautiful building. We're talking about the Paps Mansion. And specifically in this case, we're talking about a pavilion that was built on the site dating back to 1893. It actually wasn't even built on the site. It was moved there, right? Yeah. So the mansion was built in 1892, which is when Chicago was preparing the famous Columbian Exposition, which was a World's Fair that was to celebrate the 400th anniversary of the arrival of Columbus in the New World, hence the name. And they basically built an entire city, which was called the White City, which was famous, made famous in that book, The Devil in the White City, that was along the lakefront. And it had all these different pavilions and buildings, and some of them survive as like Museum of Science and Industry was part of it. But there are very few buildings left from it. And actually, this pavilion is one of them. Paps built, had this pavilion built to be inside one of the much larger exposition buildings. So this gives you kind of a, a peek into the wealth we're talking about here, right? I mean, this was this was a really big event, the World's Fair, and this building, this or, incredibly beautiful, ornate pavilion was built for this event to exist inside, and it was really meant to kind of show the uh, future, right, and, and the opulence. The exposition had millions of visitors. It was every industry you could think of. You know, manufacturers had pavilions showing off the things they made, the things, the kind of work they did. And Pabst was no different. You know, there was a beer pavilion that Pabst was there and Anheuser-Busch was there, you know, Budweiser. All the big brewers were there and they built, you know, they all tried to outdo each other <laughs> as they would. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, especially yeah. the, at that point, there were really all these, you know, the breweries were owned by these sort of figurehead beer baron kind of guys. So they were very personality driven. So Captain Frederick Pabst, of course, would spare no expense to build what he had hoped would be the most beautiful pavilion. And, you know, he may have done so with this, but he apparently also had intended for this to ultimately, after the exposition, be brought to Milwaukee and put next to his mansion as sort of an outdoor kind of gazebo-like place. Mm -hmm. So it was built in Chicago and the actual building was shipped here. Yeah, so they uh, they took it apart, moved it up here, and reassembled it here. And so for many years, it's been attached to the mansion. And after Captain Paps died, the archdiocese bought it and used it as offices. And they turned that pavilion part of the building into a little chapel, which is why it has the stained glass and stuff in it now. But then for many years, Paps Mansion has used it as like their little gift shop and ticket office. So when you went to visit the mansion, you would go in through the pavilion as the main entrance and buy your ticket. Yeah, and and you did a story about this about 10 years ago, and at that time, the pavilion was kind of falling on hard times. It was starting to look a little rough, and it hasn't really gotten a lot better, right? I mean, it's still in pretty rough shape, and they're at the point where they're seeking to deconstruct and rebuild this pavilion. I wrote that story 10 years ago. It was already in bad shape 10 years ago. They've been trying to do some work to kind of stave off further damage, but again, it was a, a building that was meant to be initially inside, not outside, and it's spent more than 120 years in the Wisconsin winter <laughs> outside. Yeah, that's which rough, is, right? It's not been good. <laughs> and, and, you know, the Paps Mansion is a nonprofit. It's not swimming in money, so it's been doing what it can. But it's gotten to the point now where in order to save it, 
they need to take it apart. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to talk through this process because it's a really high-tech process to reconstruct and rebuild such a historic building. In fact, they're seeking some historic recognition for it. We're going to go through that process and how they're tapping into the academic community next on Urban Spelunking. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the honor system. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. All right, Bobby, back on 20th and Wells at the Pabst Mansion. As we mentioned, we're talking about this pavilion that is on site and has fallen on hard times in the last 10 plus years. This building um, was never meant to be an outdoor building. And now as they're going through this process to actually digitize piece by piece and reconstruct this, it's uh, it sounds like quite the undertaking. Yeah, so they've been working with the School of Architecture and Urban Planning at UW-Milwaukee has a historic preservation Institute. They've 3D scanned the entire interior of the building and they have 3D scanned the entire exterior of the building. So now what they want to do is take the building apart and scan the individual pieces because, of course, they fit together like a puzzle. So it, what it's also important to scan the parts of each piece that you can't see, right? Because they're because they're currently constructed. Yeah, so they have the outside, the inside. They need the uh, they need the inside now. They right? need the piece, the, the inside of the, the inside, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the bones, the, right? The skeleton, right? And how the pieces all fit together. So the Historic Preservation Institute at UWM, it's really exciting. I saw this last summer for the first time when I did not expect to. I was invited over by a professor there named Matt Jarris, and he showed me their they have a rapid prototyping lab that can rapid prototype, that can basically three D scan and then three D print in all kinds of different materials terracotta, foam, wood, all kinds of stuff. 3D print terracotta? Yes. Wow. And if you go in there, they have all these, in the lab, they have all these examples of pieces that they've got off the sort of well-known Milwaukee buildings and lots lots of not well-known, but historic Milwaukee buildings. I'm sure well-known to you. (laughs) Yeah, right, probably. (laughs) But if you go there, there's all these like architectural details in the lab that are oh yeah, and sitting right next to the sort of recreated versions of them because you know in some cases they're tin and they're all rusted out, or they're stone and they're faded by you know they're weathered and sort of faded by the weather. So let me ask. I mean, do they need to go through this process? So you know, in case there's damage during the process, they can recreate this stuff. Or why is all this 3D scanning so necessary? Well, what's going to happen is that they're going to take it apart. There are pieces that are not, and you can see this from the photos in my story. There are pieces that are just beyond repair. Yeah. So they're going to create new pieces. The pieces that can be reused, they will set aside for to reuse, and then the pieces that cannot be reused, they will scan in order to make replacement pieces. So the new one, you know, when the, after they take it down and do all the scanning work and the, the production work, they basically, their goal is to put it back together. So doing all of the scanning allows them to recreate pieces they need to recreate and then to know exactly how to put it back together. You know, it does make me think like if they began this process 10 years ago, did this technology exist, you know, in this way? Could they do this kind of restoration? 
I'm not sure they could have. I mean, the technology probably existed, whether the capacity to do it in terms of cost and the fact that, you know, there is this local place they can do it. I don't know that that existed. And as Mame McCulley, who is the director of the mansion said, you know, in the past, they would have had to use a, a place in California to do this kind of work, and which means they would have to take this heavy terracotta, take it all apart, pack it up, ship it off to California. It would have to be recreated, then shipped all the way back to Milwaukee. You know, it's a it's time consuming. It's expensive. It's got a big carbon footprint. Now they can just take it to the east side <laughs> and do all the work there. So it keeps the work here. And the doing the work actually provides teaching opportunities for students and oh, learning sure, yeah. opportunities for students, plus the pieces that they cannot reuse, UWM will be able to keep those so that they can use them as teaching tools for students. So really nothing will go to waste out of this. And the goal then ultimately is to have a completely refurbished and ready for the future (laughs) pavilion that, I mean, it'll be a mix of original materials and new materials, but at this point, there's very few other ways it seems to, to move forward if if the hope is to save this. And what a cool student project. I mean, I'm thinking about the stuff I worked on in college. We, we had some cool projects, but it was all kind of contained to the campus. And for these students, they're going to be able to work on this historic 1893 piece of architecture. I mean, that's got to give you just a, a different kind of experience and satisfaction as a student. It's pretty amazing because these students already do some really cool stuff that the School of Architecture and Urban Planning has for at least a couple decades now been scanning and documenting a church in a small town in Italy. They've gone to Japan and done work. I mean, they've gone all over and done this kind of work. So it's kind of nice that they're going to have the opportunity to do this historic structure right in their own backyard. So what's the timeline looking like? So because the um, mansion is historically designated locally, they have to file an application, which they're doing now with the City of Milwaukee Common Council's Historic Preservation Commission. And then the commission has to okay them doing this work, which will probably, I assume, come with some conditions as, you know, because they'll want to make sure that as much original stuff is kept as possible. They'll probably want to make sure that there's like a timeline for it to come back so that it doesn't just get taken apart and then never get built back again. You know what I mean? So so there will probably be, I assume, some conditions and that sort of and timeline specifications. But then, you know, the Pep's Mansion needs to raise the money to do it, you know. So, I mean, there there's still a cost involved in doing it. The cost is lesser than it would be if they had to use a, a private firm, as we said, somewhere else. But, you know, because the deal with UWM, uh, Mame McCulley, who is the interim director at the Pep's Mansion, said they're is no money changing hands with UWM. So there's not, they're not paying UWM to do it, but there are still costs for the work involved for materials and and the actual deconstruction and, and reconstruction and all that. Yeah, we've talked about a few of these projects where buildings are either moved or deconstructed. And every time it's like baffling to me, you know, and even though I remember like there was that Tosa log cabin that we visited a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah. And that was a log cabin that was like totally lifted up on a, on a truck or something, right? It yeah, was they on, put it on the back of a truck. Yep. And we walked through there and, you know, I've seen it in person and it's like, I guess it's not that complex, right? I mean, it's a it's a fully built structure, you know, but in this case, we're deconstructing and scanning and reconstructing. It's just so amazing that they can do that. And it almost feels like uh, like such a leap of faith, right? Like they still got to raise the money and they're going through all this, mm-hmm. you know, scanning. Um, they must really believe that it's worth doing it. And you think about the historic significance of 
you know, a building like this and the annex and all this tied to the Chicago world market. And I mean, it is, it, it is pretty impressive, the historical ties that an annex to a mansion can contain. Right. Well, I mean, I guess, I don't know if it helps or not, but I mean, I don't know if there's documentation of how they did it, but it was taken apart once to be brought to Milwaukee. So if it could happen, you know, in 1895, it could presumably happen again. Well, we're going to be following this on Urban Spelunking, and I know you're going to be doing an update if this moves forward. So in the meantime, make sure you go to onmilwaukee.com and check out Bobby's photos. You can see kind of where things stand now and the need for this work. And if you aren't going to On Milwaukee, you really are missing most of the story here. And of course, we talk about the story, but you get so much more history and, and even better, the photos in Bobby's complete story. So we always have a link in the description box right here. And if you missed our episode last week, we were doing a deep dive on the uh, recent announcement from the Milwaukee Public Museum and their future museum. So lots of different kinds of stories here on the Urban Spelunking podcast. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe, rate and review the podcast. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Podcasts here on Radio Milwaukee are produced by Kiri Salinas. And Bobby, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, Nate.